You are listening to the latest message from Bar None Cowboy Ministries in Omaha, Texas, where we don't care about your past, but care about your future. We thank you for joining us as we look into God's Word with Pastor Dwayne Higgins. All right, let's go to uh, go back to Exodus. We're about to wind this thing up, but um, have you learned anything about God's character? You know, the whole thing when I read the Old Testament it, is I like to see the character of God. Because that's the unchanging situation with him. We're going to be in chapter 33. Um, the more I learn about him and learn about his character, the more I know that I can depend on him. And the more I see in the way people act and the things people do, the more I see the same mindset today. The thing about people is we we don't really change. The uh, if you go back to the the uh, philosophers of the day, they they wrote down how the characteristics of people, but the Bible was already recording them. We, we act the same and God acts the same. Maybe a different circumstance or a different environment, but humans are humans. We love to take the credit when we don't have any credit coming. We love to call on God like I talked about Sunday when, like calling 911 when we really need Him. We want Him there. But when things are going good, we're just usually pretty hunky-dory, just not even talking to him. And yet he desires that fellowship with us on a constant basis. And Moses was blessed to do that. And, and another thing about humans is what I read in Exodus, the, with all that they saw God doing, how could you not have some faith? Now, some of them did. But there was a lot of them that didn't. And uh, I've already been jumping over and reading over in Numbers, and, and there's some leaders who saw all these things, and they try to oust Moses, just literally just try to kick him out and them take over. And I thought, are you crazy with all that God's doing? All right, we're going to look at verses 2, 3, and 4. And then we'll jump down and look at some others. Because this is what God says. He's a little upset with the people after the, the golden calf deal. And I can't hardly blame him for you. And I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittites, the Perizzites, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. These were all people of occupying that place this always confused me because I always until i went there and began to understand it, what you need to understand is uh each one of these people groups may control a small area of israel uh one 
tribal unit may control something like Naples, Omaha, and Rocky Branch. Okay, that kind of area, small areas like that. And they may control two or three places. It, it was more like the Indian tribes. There's the intermingle there, and they don't have different bunches. But they didn't understand borders and, and nations like we do today. But all these people were there in the promised land. And so God says, I'm going to send you an angel before you, and I'm going to drive out all these individuals. Verse 3 says, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. Now that's, that's not a literal flowing with milk and honey. It's a picture of blessings, okay? He uses adjectives there to, to let them know this land is rich in, in wealth and production and it's going to have all the things. I mean, first of all, honey was sweetness. Milk was, was a, a, a delicacy because they didn't have refrigeration. So they didn't drink milk every day unless it came straight out of the cow or the camel or the goat. They milked a lot of goats. And they say camel milk is good, but I'm going to stick to some of that Holstein and Jersey milk. But, uh, but anyway, it's a, it's a picture of the blessings and, and how rich the land was. But look at what he says in the rest of verse 3. He says, I will not go up in your midst because you are... Now, why would God say, I'm not going with you anymore when he brought them out of the land of Egypt? Is he just a little upset? He wanted to destroy them, and, and he will want to destroy them many times more because of their rebellion. And I asked God that this morning. I said, God, why do you say these things? Because whenever you speak something, it is everlasting. And I said, you speak this, and you're not going to go up with him, but you're going to send an angel with him. But when we get on over here, we're going to find out he does go with them because Moses convicts, convinces him to go. And so I just asked the Lord, I said, why do you say this to Moses? And yet you know already you're going to do it anyway. You're going to go up with him. And God just kind of reminded me of what he told me here a few weeks ago, how he moves from wrath to redemption. And he just reminded me, I can be a God of wrath, but I prefer to be in the redemptive side. In other words, even in his anger, his true love for people, caused, it didn't take much to move him back into the redemptive side. If he was the true God of wrath, like a lot of people say he is, there wouldn't be a human alive today. God prefers the redemptive side. He prefers the forgiveness in the the mercy and the grace. And if people would just surrender their heart and cry out to him, we can move him out of that wrath over 
the past few weeks I've been reading a lot of the prophets. I was reading Amos the other day, and golly bum. It's like a bunch of idiots. It's just kind of like America today. I mean, they were nuts. And yet throughout that, God says, he'll talk about he's going to bring this destruction. And he says, but if you'll turn to me, I'll forgive you. Because his preference is to dwell in that redemptive mindset. And if somebody intercedes, somebody like Moses, they can literally move God from the judgment over. And that's pretty awesome that God would allow the faithfulness of one or two individuals to change his whole will. Because that's the that's where he prefers to be. Do you remember when Abraham, God was talking to Abraham and he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? And Abraham intervened. Well, God, what if there's 50 righteous men? Okay, you find 50, all right. Well, God, what if we're five short? And, and Abraham just keeps negotiating with God and God keeps agreeing. Down to five. He said, well, you go find me five righteous and I won't destroy it. You see, he said, I'm going to destroy it, but I'll change my mind if you can find me five righteous people. Was it four? Anyway, I mean, he just kept negotiating down. Well, there was only four there, but the judgment came. But I think they negotiated down to five, but... Yeah, there was only four that were found righteous to be delivered. But Abraham was going down to five, but they couldn't find that fifth one. And, and, and yet, do you see how God, he said, I'm going to judge, but if a righteous person prays and seeks, I'll, you can move me back over here because I'd rather be over here. But they couldn't do it. Verse 4 says, when the people heard this, they were sad, and they went mourning, and none of them put on their ornaments. Undoubtedly, gold was, uh, they had really spoiled the Egyptians. They had taken, they had already given a lot of this ornaments over to, for the golden calf, but they still had plenty of gold to wear. I mean, they you must have been able to see them coming from 10 miles away because, you know, but they were proud of their ornaments and, and all that. They let the material stuff override, but they had no joy in their heart. And so they did away with these ornaments. They did away with the things that would show the outward joy as a symbolic, and they were sad. But it never says that they repented. They were just sad. Verse 7, Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp. A good This is the tent of meetings that he would meet with. This is prior to the tabernacle. 
And he'd called it the tent of meeting, and everyone who sought the Lord would go out of, to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. So in other words, if you truly want to seek the Lord, you would go up to that area also. And it came about whenever Moses went out, of, out to the tent that all the people would arise and stand and each, uh, each at the entrance of his tent and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. So they watched for this. And they watched him and they would stand there until he entered in. And at that moment, the pillar of cloud would come down at the doorway of that tent. And, and, and symbolized because God was meeting face to face with, with Moses at this time. Now think about this. You're standing at the door of your house. you got this one great leader that you know God's talking to. He's led you to this place. You watch him go meet face to face with God and know that you could also, you couldn't go into the tent, but they would go up there if they saw, wanted to seek God. But it sounds like from reading this, most of them didn't want to. They wanted somebody else to do it. They were okay with Moses doing. They want to watch, but they didn't want to, which makes me think of a, kind of the way it is today. Um, yesterday, I went to visit my sister, and she's got a uh, tumor on her brain, and it's not looking good. And she asked me if I'd pray for her, and I said no. I said I'm going to tell you what I tell my church. That I don't pray for you, I'll pray with you. I said, you've got the same access to my God as I do. Now, that may seem harsh, but I don't want her to depend on my faith. She needs to depend on her faith. She needs to know that she can pray. And folks, I, I'm convinced and a firm believer we ought not pray for anybody. We ought to pray with them. Them the same access to him as I have. But it takes away what a lot of people like to do. Well, God hears my prayers. Well, I'm glad you're walking with him that way because that's good. But shouldn't we want our brothers and sisters and others around to have that to come to that same place? So shouldn't we encourage them to get on their face and pray? Now there's times you need to intervene and pray on that, and I'm not saying don't do that, but try to encourage them to exercise some faith. Because my sister can't rely on my faith. My faith can't do anything for her. My faith may encourage her. It may give her some direction. But it's my faith. I'm saved by my faith, not somebody else's. She will be saved and redeemed by her faith, not mine. And that's what I want her to do. But these people would watch Moses as, as he would go. And they would stand at their tent, and then he would go in, and he would speak face-to-face -face with God. 
And then it's, in verse 11 it says, And when Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, a young man, would not depart from the tent. In other words, Joshua stayed there at the tent all the time to guard, protect, and, and do whatever needed to be done. But he stayed there, and Moses would go back. But the people were watching that constantly. But if you go on over in Numbers and you, even Moses' wife Miriam and some of the main leaders will rise up and uh, try to push Moses out of the picture and tell Moses, what makes you special? Why are you ahead of us? Because God called him. God put him in that spot. But that's another story. But they would watch him, but they most of them were not willing to exercise faith or to do it. They were more content, just like people are today, for somebody else to do the faith thing and them just do whatever. And they want to ride the coattails. Verse 15. <clears throat> Moses begins to intercede right here on what God had said over here with he would not go with them. He, he says, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. Moses is telling them, he said, God, if you're not going to go with us, let's just stay right here. We, we can't live without you going. Moses understood only thing that got them out of Egypt and got them to this place was God. So he's beginning to intercede because he's telling God, he said, let's just not even go if you're not going to take us because that will be an impossibility. Jumps on down to verse 17, and the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray you show me your glory. What do you think? God going to show him his glory? How many of you ever sang Rock of Ages? Clef for thee. Well, you're fixing to find out where it came from. Verse 19. I myself will make my, all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. In other words, he's going to do what he wants to. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and you shall stand there on the rock, and it will come about while my glory is passing by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. What happens when Moses sees the glory of God? Hmm? Y'all 
You're not confident. What shines on him? His face. He had to wear a veil to cover his face because it scared the people. And all he saw was the backside. Now, now he said he'd been meeting with him face to face, but he didn't see God's face. God spoke to him just like we're speaking. But he was hid in the cloud. And now Moses is wanting to go further. Now, now think about this. Moses has only been walking with God for a short period of time. I mean, we've got whatever period of time for the for the ten plagues. And let's just say that that happened one a week. Somewhere around two months, two and a half months. All right, they take a two-week journey to... Uh, Mount Sinai, two to three weeks. All right, we're, we're about 12 weeks into this. We spend 40 days at Mount Sinai. So there's another six weeks. So somewhere around 26 weeks has he been really walking with God. Now we go back up to when God called him in from the burning bush. We don't know how long that was from the time he was called to the time he got into Egypt. So if we just round it off, we could say he's been walking with God less than a year. Less than a year. And yet God is speaking to him face to face. He's going to show him his glory. Now Moses had made a quick transition from being in the wilderness to walking with God. And he learned a lot. And he's very bold in his speech. He's very bold in his prayer. But he was very obedient in all that God called him to do. Because he was called and prepared by God for a certain purpose. And he gets to see him. And it transforms him. And it scared the people because they couldn't bear to see the glory. I don't know about you, but there will be a day in heaven I'll get to see him, but on earth I won't. But folks, I'm just simply amazed when I read and study his word. It, it just amazes me that he would even let me pray to him. Much less to let me be a part of what he's doing. Now think about that. I don't know what it does to you, but for me, knowing where I came from and what I'd been, just going to heaven would be a way more than I could ever deserve. But not only do I get to do that, but I get to serve Him every day. I get to take my prayers to Him. I get to seek His face. I need to... <clears throat> I can cry out when I'm feeling down and out and depressed. <clears throat> I can cry out when I feel like I just don't have the answers. And I can jump for joy when I'm rejoicing and 
I get to do all that with the God who created the universe. The God who spoke the universe into being. And he knows my name. Boy, he's a he's way ahead of me on some of y'all because I know all y'all, but there's people coming here every Sunday and I struggle knowing their name. And yet God remembers everybody's name. And he knew me personally. And he knows me. That's a character about him that pretty amazing to me. He knows the desires of my heart before I do. He knows the shortcomings before I do them or don't do them. He knows the victories. He knows the successes and he knows the the mess-ups. But he still speaks to me just like he'll speak to y'all. He still wants to use us in a mighty way. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. That's the God we serve. And that if I am right with him, I can move him from judgment to mercy. And that's why I say October 5th and 6th, I want us to move God from whatever he's not doing in this community to a place where his spirit flows out into this community. Because I promise you, that's where he wants to be. And he's waiting for some people to get right with him and intercede and say, do you really want this? And that's my question to you. Do you really want that? You want some people to get saved? And what are we going to do if they do? What are we going to do if the sawest no-count sucker that you know comes through that door and says, I want to get saved? I mean, we're going to let him in? You bet. We better. We better. Because I promise you, when I got saved, they let me in. And that's what a church is all about. What if, they, what if they're really not saved? They won't hang around here long. Don't worry about them. The question is, what if they really are and you turn them away? What if you call somebody that's truly seeking God to not get the fellowship they need because you think, we don't want that kind of person here. I shudder at the thought that I was one of those people that would ever say 
Well, I'm glad you got saved, but you need to go to church somewhere else. The whole reason I started this church was I wanted the people nobody else wanted. Because there was people that other churches wouldn't take because they had a past. You see that philosophy? We don't care about your past, we care about your future. It came because I knew how people looked at a lot of people. Well, we sure don't want that individual because I remember when. Folks, <laughs> there's, some, there's one right there and there's another one right over yonder. Some more in there has known me for 40 or 50 years. <clears throat> they can remember when. That guy's name was Durango, and he died in 1982. Praise God. Now Brother Dwayne came out of that. But I had a past. Some of it were good, some of it not so good. But you know what? God took me and changed me. And there were people that allowed me to do that. And I'm thankful that they did. And I hope and pray we never become so self-righteous that we ain't got room for some sinners in here. Because that's what it's all about. Okay? 731. Father, you are so awesome. So awesome to let us be a part of the wonders that you do. Father, I know we get tired of living in a, a world that's filled with rebellion, sin, and just totally messed up decisions. We live with people who are hurting, people who are ignorant of your word, people who are boldly standing against you, yet intermingled in with all those people are some that you're reading from the sure judgment that's going to come their way if they don't repent and come to you. And I hope and pray that we can be those individuals that will assist the Spirit in doing that. And that this church will be a usable vessel to be used by you to reach these individuals. And then to grow them in their faith, grow them in their fellowship with us as well as the fellowship with you. And Father, glorify yourself through us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Y'all have a great week. And I hope you get rained out tomorrow. We thank you for listening to Bar None Cowboy Ministries in Omaha, Texas. We invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. 
We are located on Highway 259 just south of the four-way in Omaha. You may also find us on Facebook or the web at barnonecowboyministries.com, a place where we don't care about your past, but care about your future.